Rejoice! 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 And yet, also in the song, it talks about mourning in exile. There's mourning and there's sorrow and there's sadness, and yet it calls us to rejoice. What is going on? How can there be joy in the midst of sorrow? How can there be joy in the midst of sorrow? Some of you might even in your own life say, I'm experiencing tremendous sorrow. How do you expect me to be joyful? How can we do it? It's so easy to understand joy when things are good. How can we have joy when things are bad? Well, interestingly enough, Advent is in part a celebration of this dichotomy. This tension between two things. We celebrate with happiness that Christ has come. Christ came. He came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He died an unjust death. But in doing that, he paid the penalty for our sins. He came back to life. And he offers us the free gift of salvation. If we'll just accept him standing in our place. And dying in our place. And in the midst of that, and we go, wow, there is real joy in that. There is this tension because we go, ah, we're celebrating that Christ will come. He's going to come back and he's going to set it all right. It's all going to be made right. But while we're waiting, there's sorrow, isn't it? We see sorrow in the world around us. We see brokenness in people, in our family, in our friends, in our neighbors. We see sin in our own lives. And we see a separation from God. And those are some big hurts. Those are big hurts and big problems. And yet, Scripture acknowledges and God calls us that in the midst of those big sorrows, we are to rejoice. God calls us to rejoice. And why we have good reason. Christ has come, but he will come and he will set it right eventually. But it's not just eventually. And that's what we're going to look at today. God is at work around us now, setting things right. And our passages today are going to lead us to that. God has not abandoned us here to wait. He's given us the scripture And he's given us his Holy Spirit, if we receive that free gift of salvation, to guide us. And so we see renewal going on all around us. And so today we're going to focus on that joy in the midst of sorrow. We're going to focus on seeing God at work in the world around us today. And so our first passage this morning is from Isaiah chapter 61. You're welcome to follow along in your own Bibles. It's here on the screen. I will put the passages up at the end if you want to take a picture of them at the end or write them down and we send them out in our weekly email as well too. So I'll just go ahead and read this for us. Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. 
On to verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts... And as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. And so that's our passage, our first passage this morning. I love that at the end, the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before the nations. See, clearly God cares about the big picture. He cares about things going on at the world level. And so think about the world. Think about what's going on and all the disturbing things that we see happening around us. Think of all the political unrest, not just in this country, but in all, all over the world, and the polarization where things seem to be fracturing and going towards extremes. Think about the devaluation of human life that we see going on around us. All of the trafficking of individuals. The calls for continued abortion on demand. That devaluation of human life. Think about increasing violence. Think about social unrest. We think about terrorism and how social media is just causing new things to happen that are just not very good in so many ways. And we look at all of these things and we go, where? Where is the joy? Where do we find joy? It's in this. The Lord is bringing transformation to the world. Rejoice. God is transforming the world. Look at our passage. Look at these things. They're on the screen. What is he saying he is doing? He is bring good news to the poor. Bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of the prison to the bound. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Comfort those who mourn. He's not saying only in the future. He's saying now. Rejoice. God is at work now. In the world around us. So don't just read the headlines. Look at what's actually happening. As I thought about this, I go, wow, I think there really are some things happening in our world where we go, wow, God is transforming and doing new things and renewing. I go back to that idea of abortion. It's a hot-button issue, and it causes all these problems and these tension. But what I see going on around us is more and more people saying, I'm not worried about the political side. I'm worried about the personal side. And you see more and more Christians saying, we're going to try to meet women who are faced with very difficult decisions, meet them there, and care for them. That's the trend. That's God at work in our culture. I think about the, the horrific pornography industry that we have and that we've had for a long time in this world and we could bring out the stats of how there's so much is going on, all these billions of dollars and there's all these problems and yet people are beginning to focus and say, 
that is a problem not only in people's lives, but in the people who are in those images. And there is trafficking, and there is abuse, and there is slavery. And we're going to go try to meet the people in that place and try to bring a change. And I see God at work in that. I mentioned terrorism. Radical Islam. And we go, how is God at work in that? And yet, you can find it. There are more and more stories increasing of Islamists around the world in places where there's no way they could ever hear about Jesus having dreams and visions of Jesus and angels saying, go and find out the good news of the gospel and them getting saved and turning from that radical way of thinking. God is at work. God is transforming the world. We see him making transformations all around us. Can we rejoice in that? Yes, let's rejoice in that. Christ is coming to answer the sorrow of the world. So this week as you're reading this passage, rejoice. God is transforming the world. Move on to our second passage, which is in Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams and the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. I love that last line. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. God cares about the nations, but he cares about individuals. I could see it right here in the psalm. Can you see it? God is taking one person's sorrow and turning it into joy. Think about your life. What sorrows are you facing? What are the sorrows that you're facing? Think of the psalmist's description here. He says, goes out weeping. You might look at that and say, I can relate to that. It's a lot of days I feel like I go out weeping. What are you weeping about? Or maybe your friends, people you know. But do you see there's a promise here for us? A promise and something we should rejoice over. And that is that God is bringing restoration to hearts. This process is going on all around us. Do you see it? It's happening right here in our church. I think of a few examples, and I didn't touch base with any of you before this. I just see it, and it's encouraging to me. I think of Nick and Steph. A year and a half, two years ago, there was a deep sorrow in their life because they felt God's call to have children, and they couldn't have children. But there's their baby sitting back there this morning. And it just touches me. I'm on Facebook and Steph posts pictures of her baby and I just go, I'm so thankful, God. What joy. I see such joy in their lives. I think of Brad and Sarah. And they lost their baby, Hazel, a year and a half ago. 
And there was such sorrow in that. And yet, if you guys haven't had the chance to hear Brad's message from October where he shared about that, there is a restoration God is bringing into their hearts. And I know there's other stories, I won't even go into them all here, where God is doing things in people's lives. He's helping people connect. He's helping people relate. He's helping people find peace and draw new patterns in their lives. Restoration is happening in their hearts. It's happening all around us. And so what about you? What sorrows do you have? Maybe you're experiencing loss or grief of your own. Maybe you have broken or strained or changing relationships with families or friends or other hardships are going on. I'll ask you this. Do you believe that God is in the business of restoring hearts? He is. He is. Christ's coming is the answer to brokenness in our lives. So this week, as you read this passage, rejoice. God is restoring hearts. God is restoring hearts. Our third passage this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul says this, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. There it is at the beginning. Rejoice always. Rejoice in all things. Nothing is excluded. It's so clear. And yet we go, how? How? How can I rejoice in all things? Well, there it is in the last line. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So what is we talking about? What should we rejoice over? I think it's this. The Lord is bringing sanctification. We should rejoice. Now some of you, and, and I confess I, I've been this place too, go, that's a big churchy word. I don't even know what sanctification is. I, maybe I kind of think I do. What is it? Well, it is sort of a theology word, but I think it's really important. And sometimes we get confused between sanctification and justification. Uh-oh, second big churchy word this morning. We'll all clarify it for you right here. Justification is this. It means being made right with God. And the scripture tells us that's a one-time deal. Romans 3, 23 and 24. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Justification is a one-time deal. You get made right with God and you receive that free gift of salvation. That's what justification is. So then what's sanctification? It's the process of becoming holy, of becoming more righteous. It's first from Romans 12. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be 
transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So sanctification is the process of faith taking hold of our lives. It is a process. We get sanctified over time. We never arrive, but the result of sanctification in our life is good fruit, which means good actions, good habits, good attitudes. Do you love that in this passage? Renewal of your mind. Man, I could use some renewal of my mind. Praise God that he's doing it. I think of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's sanctification at work. It comes out in our lives as we go. No, we're not perfect. None of us will ever be perfect until we get to heaven. But we're getting better. Do you see God at work in your life? Do you see sanctification happening? What does sanctified look like? We go back to our passage. Paul says, as you're sanctified, you start to pray without ceasing. You start to give thanks in all circumstances. You don't quench the spirit. You don't despise prophecies, but you test everything. You hold fast to what is good. You abstain from every form of evil. They're all very clear things to do, and we need to do these, but it's not just about buckling down and doing them. It's God accomplishing them in me. It's God sanctifying me and accomplishing these things in me and in you. How? Because His Holy Spirit will come to live inside us. And God's Spirit only comes to live inside us because God is faithful. And doesn't that sound like something to rejoice in? God is faithful to come and live inside of me and sanctify me. Christ's coming is the answer to sin in our lives. So this week as you read this passage, rejoice because God is bringing that sanctification by His Spirit into your life. So now we'll get to our last passage of the day, John chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. They had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. So let me paint the picture to you. There's this guy. He's out in the wilderness. He's wearing some crazy, weird clothes. He's got some really wild hair. And he's talking about God and truth and calling people to repent. And these religious leaders are like, what is going on? So they show up and they're like, what are you doing and what are you about? 
And the best description he gives, it's given right there. It says, John came as a witness about the light that all might believe through Jesus. John is pointing out the light. It's not about the messenger, the guy with the crazy hair. It's not about John. It's all about Jesus Christ. And it's all about what Jesus Christ offers to us, which is salvation. And that's our final point of rejoicing today, is that the Lord has brought us salvation. Rejoice! Rejoice! The description of this passage is so simple. The world is spiritually dark. We've already talked about that. The world is spiritually dark. And why is it dark? It's not because of other people. It's because of my sin. And because of your sin. Our sin has made the world spiritually dark and we need a light. And where does the light come from? It comes from the salvation offered only in Jesus Christ. Unless I sum it up, I couldn't sum it up any better than this. John three sixteen to 21 from the New Living Translation. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. And we see it in that passage. Salvation is simply this. Jesus Christ became light by offering a free gift. And that free gift was that he would die in your place to take the punishment due to you for your sins. And all you have to do is receive the gift. That's all you have to do. Do you understand how incredible that is? We don't have to pay for it. Christ has paid for it if we just receive it. We can have a right relationship with the creator of the universe, of everything we see. That creator says, you can be right with me for free. For free. Not because I can do enough good things, because I can't do enough good things. It's because God loves me. How can we not rejoice in that, people? Christ coming is the answer to the separation that we have that our sin makes between us and God. His coming is the answer to that. And so this week, as you read this passage, rejoice because God has brought us salvation. And so those are our four passages this morning. And so what's common with all of those? What's common is that we should rejoice. They point us to rejoicing in what Christ has done. We should rejoice that God is transforming the world. We should rejoice that God is restoring hearts. We should rejoice that God is sanctifying our lives. We should rejoice that God has offered us the free gift of salvation. And so this week and the rest of this month, will you rejoice? Will you rejoice? 
When you sing joy to the world, will you agree, yes, the Lord has come. Come back next Sunday, we'll sing that song again and you'll have an opportunity. Or when you sing or you hear it, O come, O come, Emmanuel, will you agree that yes, the Lord will come. What a hope for the future. And in that song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we remember the name Emmanuel means God with us. Christ has come, Christ will come, and yet he's with us by his Holy Spirit. Amen? What a hope for the future. Hope to face the future, to wait and look and prepare and rejoice that Christ is coming. And so this week, I encourage you to continue to celebrate the season. I'll pray and we'll close our time this morning. Yeah, God, I, first and foremost, I rejoice... I rejoice, Lord, there is joy. Yes, God, there are so many happy things. I can look around and there's ah, there's good things going on, and yet, Lord, there are a lot of sorrows, and there's a lot of challenge, and there's a lot of brokenness, and a lot of sin. And yet, God, I rejoice that you've stepped into it and brought your son Christ to change things, to save us, to sanctify us, to restore us, and to transform the world around us. Lord, help us to see that clearly. And Lord, as we walk into this, keep walking in this busy season, so many things to distract us. Lord, help us to worship you and to rejoice at what you are doing. God, we thank you for sending your son Christ to earth to die in our place. We praise you this morning. In his name we pray. Amen.